All right, good, uh, good morning, church. How's everybody doing? Good, yeah. Good to be here. The close of summer, yeah. It's nice and cool this morning. I had to put the heat on my car. Jeez. That's a dangerous thing, a dangerous sign, yeah. Though maybe if you're a skier, you're all excited. I don't know. There are those too, yeah. <laughs> Let's pray together. Father, we thank you that you are here this morning. That you are a God who never leaves us, who never forsakes us. But God, we thank you that you are a God who is able. That you are able to uh, help and to pour out grace, God, in whatever situation uh, we are going through this morning. And God, you tell us to come to you with our needs. You tell us to cast all our cares upon you. You tell us, tell us to call out to you in our time of distress. And, and God, we, uh, we just surrender to you our lives. Uh, we surrender to you our stuff. We surrender to you our sin and our struggles and our pain and our fear and anxieties. And God, just allow you to minister to our hearts this morning. Uh, God, we, uh, we thank you that you're a God who speaks. You're not a God who's silent. You're not a God who is distant. And so, God, we invite you by your Holy Spirit to speak to us this morning in whatever way that you desire. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We have been uh, going through a book in the Bible called the Book of Ephesians. And uh, we're going through chapter 4. Today we get to talk about t taming the tongue. <laughs> And sometimes we look like that, the way we speak about others and to others. Yeah, it's true. Uh, Paul has been talking to us in this section of Ephesians uh, about living this transformed life. That we know that if we're super, super hungry and, uh, and you eat something, like a good cheeseburger or something, really yummy, it, it changes you. You're, you're full and you're no longer hungry. Unless you go to A&W, you need about three of them. But either way, if you eat something, it fills you. And, and how much more when God moves into our life? Uh, when God fills us, He changes us. And Paul's been talking about how He has given us new heart and new desires, and, and, and because the power of God is living in us, that we should, we should live differently. And we've talked about how we need to be, live differently in the way we think. That we are to take every single thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. We've talked about how we, how we do anger differently. And how we uh, do not give the devil a foothold. And, and today he's going to talk about words and how we need to speak differently. Uh, our words should be different because God is, is in us. And so let me read the text for today. It says, anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their own hands that they may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And we're going to spend most of the time on verse 29, but we will touch on, because we've been going through this book verse by verse, on the idea of, of stealing. And the reason stealing is wrong is not just like, it's just a bad thing, is because it takes us off our mission. Our mission if you choose to accept this, the, the mission that Jesus has given us is to, is to love God and to love people. 
and to get more people to love God and, more pe- and, to, and, to, and to love people. That's, that's our mission. And when you steal from somebody, somebody it's, it's not loving. And I was reading the news, I guess there was a few break-ins in Castlegar there and some in Nelson. I mean, it's not loving to business owners. It's not loving to a store. It's not loving when you, when you steal something from one another. And, uh, and, and hopefully, you know, you know, none of us are breaking and entering, trying to make a living by stealing stuff. But, and sometimes we'll brush over this, well, that's not me. I don't steal anything. But there's more subtle ways that maybe if we tried to apply this, that, that we can steal from, from people. And that is, uh, not being on time sometimes can, can steal. I mean, if you tell somebody, I'm going to be there at 10, and you don't show up until 1030, you just robbed that person of half an hour of, of their day, which they could have been doing something else, maybe really important, maybe they had a busy day. It's important in, in, in this culture, anyways, to be on time. You go to some other cultures, if you show up on time, that's rude. If they say five, you show up at five, that's a, you just rude. In our culture... Uh, we got to see that sometimes you're actually stealing from other people when you don't show up on, on time. Uh, it was difficult when they were paving, jeez, <laughs> showing up on time. Uh, slacking off at work can be stealing. I mean, if you're hired to do something and you spend a bunch of your hours checking Facebook and going on YouTube at work, you're actually stealing from your employer. It's not much different than, than you know, taking stuff off the shelves. You're stealing from what they've asked you to do. Uh, not being grateful to God can be stealing. Uh, stealing glory uh, from God. It, the Bible says every good and perfect gift is from above. And it doesn't mean we need to be walking around saying thank you for every little thing that we see, but to have a heart of thankfulness, uh, to understand that, that God deserves the glory and not to steal it from Him. Uh, we can uh, steal other people's reputations by sharing information that is maybe partially true or was not fully, you know, we don't know if it's fully true, or sharing with people who don't need to know, you've just stolen that person's reputation because all of a sudden that person thinks differently about that person. Uh, you can steal other people's reputations. Uh, you, not returning borrowed items can be, be stealing. I know all of us have missing books and DVDs and things that we've lent out and we don't get it back, and it's kind of like they stole it from us. I mean, it's, it's healthy to try to give things back. Uh, the Bible actually talks in the Old Testament about stealing from God. I mean, who, we'd never think, well, I would never steal from God. And this is what these people were asking. Uh, will, a mere, uh, will a mere mortal rob God? They said, no, but uh, the prophet said, you robbed me. But, but, but you ask, how are we robbing you in tithes and offerings? And so uh, there's lots of ways we, we can steal. And because we have God in our lives, we want to make sure we're doing all we can to, to love God and to love people and that means that we should run from anything that looks like stealing. And another reason is because we are to be known as givers. This is what this talks about here. The reason uh, God gives in this text is because you're to steal, not steal, because you're to be a giver. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer. Why? Or but must work, doing something useful with their own hands. Why? That they may have something to share with those in need. That God has blessed us so much that we are called to be generous people. And if you're making a living by stealing stuff, then Paul says, stop stealing. That's not loving these people. Go get a job and work so you have something to give. That all of us should have something to give. And now, granted, some people have more money than time, and some people have more time than money, but all of us are called to be givers. That we're to be known as, as generous people, that, that when you show up at your workplace or school or here, that someone should look at you and say, you know, that person was the most generous people. 
I mean, Jesus has blessed us with so much. Ephesians 1.3, Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Because God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing, we're to pass that on. Uh, we should never, ever, ever be known as a stingy people. Because God was not stingy towards us. He's always generous, always giving, always loving. And we are to do, to do the same. In fact, early in, in Ephesians, you remember uh, Paul said, I don't know if anything got stuck. Patricia, if you can forward it, maybe. There we go. Ephesians 3.2. Uh, 3, Surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. And remember we talked about how God has all given, given us grace that we're to give away. We're to be known, again, as givers, that God has given each and every one of you grace that you have to give away. And if you want more grace from favor from God, it's about giving grace away. The more you give, the more you receive. And to just be known as someone who's always giving grace. And God has probably given all of you grace today that you're to give away before you leave here. Maybe there's someone you need to encourage. Maybe someone you need to smile at. Maybe someone you need to love. Maybe somebody that needs a gift and, and you're to give that grace away. And when you show up at your workplace to understand, God, what grace have you given me that I'm to give away? We're to be known as generous, generous peoples because we serve a generous God. Next slide, Patricia. Okay, then onto our main text today, Ephesians 4.29. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Again, the purpose here is, is not like to be some like religious person, oh, don't say those words, and you know, it's, it's about being a giver. That even our words are to be filled with generosity. Our words are to bless other people. Our words are to build up and not tear down. And so he begins with no unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. And and we've got to understand that this is different across, I mean, it's not like some sort of black and white issue. Especially when you're dealing with like swear words and, and those kind of things, because different cultures have different kinds of words. Uh, there's things you got to think about, like language, culture, context, time, and history. I mean, you see the sign here, Mama, die, die, die. That's in a real retail outlet. Now, if that was in Save on Foods, that would be considered unwholesome talk. But Supposedly, it's Dutch for mama, that one. In other countries, it's not unwholesome. What was that? Oh, DDD. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. <laughs> Anyways, language difference. I know uh, uh, the word Ben, you know the name Ben? Uh, in Mandarin, means stupid. And we call people Ben here, it's fine. But in another culture, it's kind of a, it's an unwholesome talk. We have a culture. Next slide there. Uh, we have culture differences. Uh, there are some cultures when you ask someone, oh, what do you do for a living? It's super offensive. And here, that's it's kind of the way you talk to people. Hey, hey, what do you do for a living? That's normal. But that same thing, which is totally not unwholesome here, is very unwholesome in another, cult in another culture. Uh, it's like sticking up our thumbs, like Mr. Bean there. Uh, in some cultures, that is like sticking up the middle finger. And our culture is like, way to go, this is awesome, you're, you're amazing. But uh, again, you got to think through uh, context, and, and uh, if you can go back one, there Patricia, you got to think through context as well. Uh, there are some words that can be unwholesome in one context, but can be very wholesome in another context. 
Uh, I remember I was preaching once, and uh, <laughs> there's this little uh, kid who was his first time in church, and halfway through the, the message, he goes, Mom, why does that guy keep swearing? And she was like, what? He keeps saying Jesus Christ. Oh. Like, <laughs> right? I mean, you can say that in a very unwholesome way, or it can be the most beautiful name in the world. Uh, I mean, oh my God. I mean, that can be unwholesome in certain settings, but it can also be, it's also found 23 times in the Bible. Oh my God. I mean, uh, context make it different. There, there's some maybe words that you can use in your marriage, which in that context can be a great thing, but outside the marriage is not so great. Uh, there are things in the book of Ezekiel which I'd be scared to read out because it could be seen as very unwholesome, but because of the context and the heart, it's, it's not unwholesome. Uh, and then you got the time in history, the last one. Uh, time in history makes a difference. Uh, I mean, even when I was young, if you said to someone, you're s totally sick, it probably wouldn't be a good thing. And I know that word's probably going out now, but, you know, recently in the last five, ten years, if you said, hey, you're sick, it would be a good thing. I mean, words change. And if I said today... Jesus is awful. That'd be kind of unwholesome talk. It, it, but, you know, there was one day that awful actually meant awe-filled. That meant, like, glorious and holy. And if you said Jesus was awful, it'd be, it'd be a great thing. But words change. Like, the word nice used to mean ignorant. But now if you say to someone, hey, you are quite nice, it's a kind of a compliment. And so words change over time. Sometimes words lose their unwholesomeness and become less unwholesome and, and vice versa. And so it's not some sort of black and white issue. But I think we know when unwholesome talk is coming out of our mouths. And that's what he is saying we've got to be careful about. But we need to be careful that we don't get all religious on this. Because a lot of times people get freaked out when they hear a swear word, yet they don't bat an eye when they're cutting down another person. They don't bat an eye when they're gossiping about another person. And the major focus of the scriptures is not like, do you swear or not? I mean, we shouldn't have unwholesome talking. The major issue is how are you talking about others? The biggest issue, we're talking about our words, is speaking about things like gossip and slander. Are you loving people? Are you giving through, through your words? And uh, it gives us an opportunity to talk about gossip here a little bit. Uh, gossip is conversations about other people's lives that are unkind and one-sided, often involving details that are not confirmed as being true, or gossip is sharing information with someone who is not part of the solution or part of the problem. And this is a huge issue. I mean, the Bible talks about gossip and slander over 50 times. And there's some people who freak out because they hear this word, and yet they're involved in gossip and slander all the time because our culture is a very much a gossip-slander-type culture. But that's not loving to people. That's not giving. That's not using words to build others up. That's using words to tear people down. And Paul says that we are only, he uses the word only to speak what is helpful and builds up other people. Next slide. Proverbs 16, 28 says, A perverse person stirs up conflict. And this is what often uh, gossip does. Stirs up conflict. And a gossip separates close friends. Uh, gossip never reconciles. You don't solve problems by gossip and slander. It separates close friends. It separates people at workplaces. It separates people in churches. I mean, gossip is a huge issue. I mean, a lot of times people, like, the reason they don't like their work environment is because it's a lot to do with words and gossip and slander. Uh, 2 Corinthians 12, Paul was concerned about gossip in, in, in this church. He said, for I am afraid that when I come, I may not find you as you want you to be. 
and you may not find me as you want me to be. I fear that there may be discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, and then he says slander, gossip, arrogance, and disorder. Now, he was afraid it was like there was gossip and slander going on. I mean, the church needs to be a no-gossip zone. And because you're owned by Jesus, you should be a no-gossip zone, no-slander zone, because you are only to say what is helpful in building up others. Next slide. Proverbs 20, 19 says, A gossip betrays a confidence, so avoid anyone who talks too much. The Bible actually says a lot about actually avoiding people who gossip. Because, I mean, you know that if you're around someone who's gossiping all the time, that when you're not there, guarantee they're gossiping about you. I mean, uh, the Bible says be careful about hearing gossip. Uh, Proverbs 17, 4 says, wrongdoers easily listen to gossip. And so even when you hear gossip, it, it's, it's wrongdoing. And sometimes, I've actually said this to people, I don't think I need to know that. And it's okay to say that. Uh, I mean, sometimes it just makes me cringe when I hear people talk about other people. It's like, I'm not part of that problem, I'm not part of the solution. It's just, I just don't need to hear that. And so we've got to be careful with, with, with our words. I like uh, Proverbs 18.8. It says, listening to gossip, this is from the message, listening to gossip is like eating cheap candy. Do you really want junk like that in your belly? I mean, you listen to slanderous gossip, and a lot of times it's based on a half-truth, or it's not fully the other side, or it's very one-sided. All of a sudden, your view of that person is completely tainted. And you carry that around in your belly, and you have a hard time looking at that person because you've actually never met them, you've never talked to them, you've never had a relationship with them. You're basing everything on some slanderous gossip. And that taints the way you look at people. And so we are to have no unwholesome talk that comes out of our mouth. And we've got to realize that gossip and slander really comes from our brokenness. A gossip and slander comes from a lack of understanding of our identity in Jesus. Because a lot of times we, we gossip, and I'm, I mean, I'm to blame here sometimes. I mean, uh, we, we all do it at times. That it's, it's, it's a lack of identity in Jesus. It's because you want to justify your position. If I get more people who listen to my gossip sob story, and they say, wow, that's really bad, then you feel justified in your bitterness. You feel justified in your forgiveness rather than understanding that, that hey, you're forgiven, and maybe that person's forgiven in Jesus. Uh, you do it to impress people. Look at the juicy story I know. Aren't I impressive that I know all the details about everybody? It's a pride issue. Uh, you don't need to walk around puffing yourself up. You, you are awesome in Jesus. Uh, you don't need to gossip and slander to earn people's love because you are loved by Jesus. I mean, gossip and slander comes from a brokenness of uh, misunderstanding of who you are in Jesus. You are fully loved, fully accepted in Christ, and we live there. And we use our blur words not to cut down and slander and, you know, cutting sarcastic marks. We use our words to build others up. Now, this doesn't mean that we don't have hard conversations. I mean, we did a whole series on dealing with difficult people. But it means even when you're dealing with difficult people and dealing with those hard conversations, your words are words that are helpful and loving and building. They're not words that cut and destroy and belittle people. You just take the high road. When someone is, is taking the low road and being mean to you, you just take the high road and you love them with your words. Next slide. But it's more than gossip, obviously. It, it has to do with all the words that come out of our mouths. So Colossians 3.8 says, But now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these. 
Anger, we talked about it a few weeks ago, how to, how to deal with our anger issues. Rage, malice, slander, filthy language from our lips, that all that is, is to try to be purified in Jesus, that we've got to be working on our words. Are our words loving Jesus and loving people, or are they tearing and cutting those down around us? Next slide. James says this. If anyone thinks he's religious, or we could say, uh, if anyone thinks he's a follower of Jesus, if you think you're a lover of Jesus and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. That's how important your words are. Because Jesus says words come from your heart. And again, it's, it's an identity issue. Your words reveal what is going on in your heart. And if you have Jesus in your heart, your words should reflect Christ. And that's what it's talking about, that your words really uh, is are fruit of your lives and how you're doing, how you're maturing, how you're walking in Jesus. In fact, in James 3, he has the classic passage of taming the tongue. He says, when we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest fire is set on by a small spark. And this is, this is what happens. It's amazing what one little cutting word can do in a marriage. It's amazing what one little cutting word in a marriage can do over years. to destroy a person. It's amazing what one little gossip rumor at work, I mean, the fire it can start. I mean, a lot of the conflict we face in, in just society is a result of words. One little spark can just create a huge firestorm of gossip and slander and trouble and dissension and conflicts. Why? God is calling us to be very careful with our words. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and it's self set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. Next slide. But no human being can tame the tongue. I mean, we can't do this on our own. I mean, we can like try to work on my words. You cannot do this on your own. This is where Jesus comes in. Because Jesus can tame your tongue. Because Jesus is the one who changes our heart. And it's out of our heart that the mouth speaks, Jesus says. It's all about just going back to Jesus. Not only trying harder. It's like, Jesus, I want to know you more. I want to love you more. I want to worship you deeply. I just want to be more connected to you. And the more you run after Jesus, the more it's going to change your words. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. In other words, uh, James, that's not okay. That we come in here and we raise our hands or sing to Jesus and then go home and cut people down at work or in our home or around us and gossip and slander. That's, that's not okay. It's not loving. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? Uh, Jesus said, we're to be filled with living water. And our words are to be living water. Uh, not quite done yet, Patricia, go back, sorry. Uh, my brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. Again, the point is because we have Jesus and new hearts and living water, 
our words are, are to really reflect that. Now we can go on to the next slide. The uh, Bible has this uh, to say that we should not say everything we feel. A lot of times, uh, the forest is set on fire because we speak too quickly. The Bible says we'd be slow to speak. But a lot of times we get in trouble when we just say what we think. The Bible actually says you shouldn't say everything you think. Uh, Proverbs 29, 20. Do you see someone who speaks in haste? There is more hope for a fool than for them. I mean, people who are just like, just say things off the top of their head, often those people get in trouble <laughs> a lot, right? And if you're one of those people, you find yourself in trouble a lot because you just kind of say what you think. You're like, ooh, I shouldn't have said that. I mean, it's one of those things that us introverts are a little ahead of the game because we tend not to speak as much. We don't get in trouble as much, right? <laughs> uh, Proverbs 21 says, whoever keeps his mouth and his tongue keeps himself out of trouble. There are sometimes it's just good to bite your tongue when someone is pushing you and putting pressure on you and you just got all these bad words floating in the back of your head, they should stay there. And you just let them melt away in the love of Jesus. They should not come out of your The Bible says that you should not say everything you think. Uh, we're not to be led by our feelings and emotions. They get us in trouble sometimes. We're led by the Word of God and the Holy Spirit of God. Proverbs 10, be sensible and keep your mouth shut. Proverbs 17, 27, the one who has knowledge uses words with restraint. Part of the fruit of the Spirit is self-control and patience. And there are times when maybe there's something heating up in your marriage, there's something heating up at work, or you're in a conflict situation and you just want to push back that it's best that you hold your tongue. And sometimes you just give people a little slack if, if, if they're having a bad day or whatever. But our words, we're to be careful with our words. Next slide. So the, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. Now notice this is a two-part thing. And it's what really hit me about this verse and really challenged me, this sermon did. Challenged my own life a lot this week. Because uh, it says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. This was kind of what I thought about words a lot of the times. That it's kind of, you just make sure nothing unwholesome comes out of your mouth and you're doing good. And, and I think most of the time, I don't have a lot of unwholesome stuff that comes out of my mouth. But I was challenged at this. It's a two-part thing. It's not just about not letting unwholesome stuff come out. It's about making sure the stuff that does come out builds people up. This is a two-part thing. But only. Notice he uses the word only. Not sometimes. Not only when things are good. It's okay to have lots of excuses, you know, if someone's really putting pressure. Only. Only only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs. People have different needs. Sometimes they've got to like, confront somebody. Sometimes they need a lot of love and grace. But again, whatever it is, it's building up that it may benefit those who listen. A lot of times we get in trouble because our words are benefiting us. It's going to make me feel better if I just get mad at you. It's going to make me feel better if I just release this on you and, and show you what I'm really thinking so you know what I'm thinking. That's selfish. He says... Our words are actually about others. How are they going to take this? How are they going to feel? Is this actually going to benefit them? Only, only what is helpful, building up others to benefit those who listen. And I was challenged because I found, I just really monitored my words this week. I was like, yeah, doing pretty good. It's not unwholesome. But I found a lot of my words were, they're just kind of neutral. They're just kind of neutral words. Instead of words that were encouraging or building up and i noticed even at home that it's like man i could have been way more encouraging but i said i just said something kind of neutral i was like man we, we gotta use our word words are powerful 
If we get this, it can, it can really change us. Next slide. Uh, our society is bad with words. I mean, you, you were watching the Olympics. Uh, you remember this French pole vaulter who uh, was brought to tears because of the boos of the crowd. Uh, that's not language that builds others up. That's not language that, that helps this person. I mean, we're living in a society where language is so cutting, that gossip is so common, that cutting remarks, that harsh sarcasm, that, you know, here's just what I think, and you just need to know what I think that's so common. It's just, just, just it's a rude culture a lot of times. Next slide. I mean, uh, this past year, there have been two incidents uh, that were quite public of two-year-old boys who were killed. Remember Manitoba, that uh, chase at a local farm fell into the river. And then there was a two-year-old bull at uh, Disney World who got eaten by the alligator. And the cutting remarks and comments pushed people so far that they started coming up with news articles like social media judges Chase's parents with appalling rudeness. I mean, only what is helpful for building up others in their time of need. They just lost their son. It's not the time for, oh, you shouldn't have been doing that. Oh, you're to blame. It's all your fault. You should be more careful. That's not the time. Our words are to build others up and to benefit those who listen. It's not about me and this will make me feel better and I want you to know how it is. No, only what's going to bless others, only what's going to be helpful for the situation. Next slide. The Bible says a lot about encouraging one another. And this is one of those words that build others up. Hebrews 3.13, encourage one another daily. Imagine if your home said, you know, we're going to do this. That every day, he said, I'm going to encourage my husband. Every day, I'm going to encourage my wife. Every day, I'm going to encourage my kids. And every day, I'm going to encourage my parents. Every time I come to church, I'm going to look for people to give grace away. I'm going to encourage. Isn't that how that would change things? It's amazing what one word of encouragement can do for us. I mean, you're down, and you're just having a horrible week, and someone just says something, and you're just like, it's a God thing. Every good and perfect gift comes from a God Encouragement is a powerful thing. Uh, First Thessalonians 5, this, these are commands. Encourage one another and build each other up. And that's mostly through our words, how we do that. It's, it's, it's Jesus' commands us. That we're to build up people and encourage them. Romans 12 says to be devoted to one another with mutual love, showing eagerness. Again, this is not just neutral. This is showing eagerness in honoring one another. That we'd show eagerness and just honoring each other, saying, wow, it was really great what, you know, you did this week, and it just helped me, and man, it's such a blessing to know you're just, just encouraging. And so this is not just no unwholesome talk. This is not just, I'm just going to make sure my words are not unwholesome. It's making sure your words are beneficial, that your words build up people, that your words are encouraging, that your words are helpful towards those uh, around you. Uh, Paul seemed to do this, uh, his ministry, Acts 20. It says, Paul sent for the disciples, and after encouraging them, said goodbye and set out for Macedonia. He traveled through that area, speaking many words of encouragement to the people. And I thought about my own life. It's like, I talk a lot of words, but I don't know how many of my words are like really encouraging words. A lot of times they're just kind of neutral or fun. Or, but I, it's like, he has this ministry. I'm like, all of us should have this ministry of encouragement. I mean, we live in a world where it's hard. Work can be hard, and life can be hard, and, and family can be hard, and relationships can be hard, and, and, and we need encouragement. And we need encouragement from, from each other. And, and words change people. Words minister to people. Uh, next slide. 
Uh, our words can minister life or death. Uh, John 10 says, a thief is a Satan comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus said, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. In other words, there's two ministries going on in this world. Ministry of Jesus, giving people life to the full. The ministry of Satan, killing, stealing, and destroying. Now our words can be a part of either one of those ministries. Our words can be a part of the ministry of Satan. I'm going to kill that person's reputation. I'm going to steal that person's glory. I'm going to rob them. I'm going to put them down because I want to be better because it's all about me and I'm the whatever. I mean, you can be a part of the ministry of death or the ministry of life. To give life to people through your words. So the Proverbs says, the tongue has the power of life and death. I was reading a study this week that uh, was talking about one of the reasons they found that a lot of uh, housewives were depressed was because of the belittling of their husbands. It, it can destroy people. I mean, you ever work for a boss who just always, never has anything good to say to you? Yeah, it just takes a life out of you. I mean, uh, I was listening to a message from Greg Mitchell a, a few weeks ago. He's talking about how he hated math. He went to this one math class, and the math teacher was like, math is fun. And he was always encouraging, and he got an A in math. The next year, I had another math teacher, which was just kind of dry and belittling and cutting, and, and he got a C minus. I mean, our words are the power of life and death. You can bring more life to your home through your words. You can bring more life to this church through your words. You can bring more life to your workplace through your words. In fact, because our words are to, to build others up and to help them according to their needs and to benefit others, the people who are close to us should be better people than they were five years ago. I mean, our spouses should have more confidence, should have a deeper love for God and people, should have more joy in their lives because of our words to them. If it's the other way around, there's something wrong. Uh, our coworkers uh, should have more life, should, should, should appreciate it more and more because our words over the years have been adding life. I mean, are you adding life to your family? Are you adding life to your friends? Are you adding life to your workplace through, through your words? Again, I was challenged by this this week because I was like, I think a lot of my words are just kind of neutral. They were like not death, they were not life, they were just kind of like, it's like, man, I got some work to do in this area. But I think I could be a lot more encouraging to my family. I think I'd be a lot more encouraging to you. And, uh, and I think I really benefited from this message. Next slide. Uh, Proverbs 16, talking about this. Gracious words are like a honeycomb. Sweetness to the soul and health to the body. Uh, words are powerful. I think we underestimate the, the, the power of words. Proverbs 15, 4. A gentle tongue is a tree of life. But perverseness in it breaks the spirit. Man, it's amazing how fast you can wear down the spirit of your kids. If you just have cutting things to say, belittling things to say, kind of twisting hurtful sarcasm. It's amazing how fast you can belittle and, and push your spouse down by these subtle words that just aren't encouraging. And, and, and we gotta, we got to really be careful. Man, we have, there's so much more potential in our relationships if we would just get this. So much more potential in this church. Because a lot of times people walk in here and they're super discouraged because of the week. And that's why we got to be giving away grace. That's why we got to be encouraging. we got to be willing to pray for people and to love on them and, and to be there for them. Because, man, words can change people. Next slide. Uh, we, got, we have to know excuses. Because a lot of times we make excuses. 
Well, you should have seen what that person did. They pushed me. Uh, the reason is because my spouse just really is just, man, they were just doing not what I wanted them to do. And, and because my boss is this, and we make excuses for our words. Uh, but Jesus said it, it doesn't have anything to do with what's on the outside. It has everything to do with what's on the inside. Mark 7, nothing outside a person can defile them by going into them. And that might be your boss or your spouse or your friend or whatever, someone else in church. Rather, it is what comes out of a person that defiles them. It, it's, it's about our heart. And you can take someone, you put them in the exact same situation, and one person will flow with words of encouragement and that will actually help the situation. Another person will flow with words that just belittle and cut, and, and they walk away feeling better, but the other person is totally uh, beat up because of the words. Again, it's not about us. It's, it's about helping people with our words. And so uh, we got to stop making, and just, just own this. I mean, this week I was just owning this, like, man, I'm not as encouraging as I should be. And it's just, that's just totally me. Jesus, I need you more because I know you are the one who can tame the tongue. Uh, and, and just not make excuses anymore and just say, you know, Jesus, with your help, I want to I just bless my family every day. So they, when, they, when I come home, they're like, I'm so glad you're home. Not like, oh, geez, what is he going to say this time? Next slide. God who hears, he hears us. Matthew 12, I tell you that everyone will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every empty word. And it's like cutting word words, fruitless words they have spoken. For by your words you will be acquitted, and by your words you will be condemned. This is, <laughs> this is how important words are. This is crazy. By your words you will be acquitted. By your words you will be condemned. This is what James was talking about. You can say you're, really, you can say you're full of God, but your words say it all. And not your words out in public, because who you really are is who you are when no one's looking. Who you really are is when you're around your close friends and close family. I mean, that, that's who you are, because that's, that's, that's where you feel more free to release who your heart. You're not protecting yourself. He hears us. And we love that idea that God never leaves us nor forsakes us. I love it. You know? God, he never leaves me nor forsakes me. That's awesome, but he never leaves you nor forsakes you when you're slandering that person. When you're gossiping about that person, when you're cutting that person down or just kind of subtly just putting a little jab there because you just want to feel better about yourself and or justify your position or whatever it might, he hears. And we've got to take this serious. Because he says, for by your words you'll be acquitted, by your words will be condemned. And we're not saved by works, but this is a serious expression of who we are. Our words are powerful, powerful, powerful ways. We love Jesus and love people, and so we've got to be careful with our words. Next slide. We see this in, uh, I'll just keep going. Next slide. Uh, to finish up here, to become all that God wants you to become, you need to tame the tongue. I mean, a lot of us, I hope, are all like, God, I just want more. I just want more of you. I want more power. I want more ability to love you. I want more ability to minister. I want to just to do stuff for you, God. I just want more. Whatever you have for me. If that is you, you've got to learn to tame the tongue. A lot of times we underestimate the importance of character. The character is super important. In fact, the very fruit of the Spirit is all character issues. If you want to grow in God, if you want to be used more by God, if you want to be filled more by his grace and power, you need to learn to tame the tongue. Uh, to Jeremiah, it says, uh, in the book of Jeremiah, it says, if you utter worthy, not worthless words, you'll be my spokesman. Uh, God is looking out and saying, I, I see your words. Right now, you're not ready. 
you're not ready. Now, maybe you're getting ready, and I'm going to pour out more because you're learning to receive and give. You're learning to receive and give, to receive blessing from God and give blessing. It, it grows us. Next slide. Uh, Psalm 15, it says, Who may worship in your sanctuary, Lord? Who may enter your presence on your holy hill? I mean, uh, again, I want to I climb the mountain of God. I just want, I, I just want to feel and experience him more. I want to be deeper with him in, in ways I can. Uh, it says, those who lead blameless lives and do what is right speak the truth from sincere hearts. And then it says this, those who refuse to gossip or harm their neighbors or speak evil of their friends. And we say that this is going to be us. I refuse to gossip. I am a no-gossip zone. This church is a no-gossip zone. I'm going to try to make my workplace a no-gossip zone. And I'm not going to use words to harm my neighbor. Even if that's my enemy, because the Bible says to bless your enemy and to love those and to bless those who persecute you. Even when it comes to your enemy, you, your words are to be, to be helpful. And then lastly, here's some prayers, some things that we can keep in mind this week. These are prayers that uh, can change the way we look at words. Uh, David said, or the psalmist said, Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. In other words, God, did you help me to bite my tongue? When the pressure is heating, when I see, feel my pride being hurt and I'm about to lash out, God, would you guard my tongue? Only, only words that are helpful. Only words that are helpful. If it's not helpful, may it not come out of my mouth. Psalm 19. This can be a beautiful prayer. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. May my words be acceptable in your sight. May everything I say, every word that I share, no matter how much pressure I'm being pushed against or how, you know, whatever is going on, that my words would be pleasing to you, Jesus. And this is a command in Colossians. Let your conversation be always, yeah, not sometimes, not that you have an excuse when things get hard, always be full, not half full, full, not neutral, full of grace. Seasoned with salt, and salt in those days was a preservative, was a healer, it made things taste better. Again, the idea is that the words need to be helpful to others. Man, this is a challenge, eh, in this culture. This is what God calls us to, to learn to use our words to be encouraging. And I think we could have families that would take steps ahead. I think we as a church could take steps ahead. I think your workplace could move forward if you really, really grasp this. To let no unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, step one. And most importantly, step two, may the words that come out of, may they only be helpful to those who listen. May they build others up. And man, that's going to change us. I'm going to invite the worship team up. As usual, we're going fin to uh, finish here with a few worship songs. And uh, again, worship is one of those times where we just allow God to really touch us and allow God to really to bless us. Uh, we've said here before that God loves, loves, loves to bless those who wholeheartedly worship Him. It's a time where you can uh, pray and just cast your burdens on Him. It's a, a time where you can take some of the things you've heard today and say, God, I want that to be me. Or a time where you can repent of your sin and give it to Him, but allow God to change you. It's a time where we can take the focus off our lives and we can put it on Him. And so we're going to take three songs and we're just going to, as we finish off here to to put our thoughts and our focus on Jesus and just honor him for who he is.